If, uh, gentlemen, if you can put that chorus from that song again back up on that slide there. Leave that up for me. If you have your Bibles, if you can, take that. Take your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in the chair in front of you. We're going to be in 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. And we've uh, slowly walked through this, first, this book of 1 John. And we're looking at it in several different ways. And taking our time as we go through 1 John. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's not where we're at. We go more towards the back of your Bible uh, towards Revelation, and you will find 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. There are small books, and, um, but a lot of depth in there. And, and it's written by the same one who wrote the Gospel of John, is what scholars say. And John, though, during this time, we're not sure, again, if Revelations was written before, during, after 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. Um, but we do know that at, one, at some point, John is on the island of Patmos, and he's exiled there, and he's all by himself. And John's writing these letters, and he's sending them to the church. And we see that there, this type of punishment is one that is, psychologists say, some of the worst type of punishment is being all alone, by yourself, locked up in a room or on an island, is what drives people insane. Um, I used to think, well, John had it easy. You know, he, he got to live out the longest life, and good for him. And, you know, the other guys, they were sawed asunder. They were put to death. They were stoned. They were beaten. And really, psychologists will say this is some of the worst type of punishment that you can do is to put someone somewhere all by themselves. And yet John realizes he was never alone on that island. That God was right there with him. And he pins these words and he sees it. we see these letters. And in chapter 1, we see the truth that John is teaching to us. You don't have to turn there necessarily, but just to recap. In chapter 1, we see the truth that we're all sinners and we're all in need of a Savior. There's truth for eternal life found in chapter 1. And in chapter 2, there's this light there that examines ourselves. The light of the Word of God that we can examine our lives through God's Word, and see, are we living the way in which Christ desires for us to live? The life in which God has created and designed for us to live through His Word, are we actually living that way and so we can examine ourselves with the light of the Word of God? But then it doesn't stop there because there's a lot of people who can really put on a good front. They can dress a certain way, look a certain way, do certain things that really says, you know what, hmm, they're a good person. But then we get to chapter 3, and there's something even more in depth that John says. Here's another key aspect to see who's really part of the body of Christ. And there's this, ex, um, I'm sorry, yeah, extraterrestrial love. This, this love that is out of this world. This type of love that John is speaking about that says, hey, you really want to know if someone's genuinely a Christian? You really want to know if they're part of the family of God? You really want to know if they're, they're, they're walking with the Lord? Do they love others? How's their love life? How's their love towards those around them? Love is something that is, should be very evident in a Christian's life. As we look at 1 John chapter 3, and as I study this message, 
And they've been studying 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, or 1st John in these few chapters even. I'm constantly drawn to a conclusion that I need a lot of help. That I, even though as a husband, as a father, as a Bible teacher, as a, as a youth pastor, as I really compare myself with this word, these, these writings that John has for us, And for me, I realize how short I come up all the time. This lesson this morning is something that as we look at it and as we read the Word of God and as we look at it, to look at it as an individual, not to compare ourselves with others, not to think, oh, well, I've got it all together because I sure don't. But we're looking at it in such a way to see, God, how can I grow? How can I be more like Jesus Christ? That's the Christian life, growing to be more like our Lord and Savior, our perfect example. And so in 1 John chapter 3, and we're just going to look at verses 11 through 18, it says, For this is the message that ye have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother, and wherefore slew he him, because he... His own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the, lo- if the world hate you. For we know that we have passed from death unto life, because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whoso hateth his brother is a murderer. And ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God because He laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Let's pray. Lord, I thank You for this morning. I thank You, Lord, that we can come to Your house and worship You. God, I thank You for Your Word that You've given to us. Lord, as we look at Your Word this morning, help us to apply it to our lives. Lord, I pray that You would help us to realize the type of love that is described here and the type of love that, we, that should be so evident in our lives. And Lord, the only way that we can have this type of love and the only way that we can show this type of love is to know this type of love from You and to, Lord, walk with You each and every day through Your strength. We can have this type of love. Only by Your power can we we show others this this same type of love. And Lord, I pray that if there's someone here this morning that has never experienced this type of love, that today would be the day to realize how much You love us and that You sent Your Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us, the greatest picture of love ever shown. And Lord, we love You and we thank You for that free gift of salvation that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And Lord, help us this morning as we look at Your Word. In Your name we pray. Amen. Love, the first one I have is love one another. It's easily found there in verse 11. Love one another. We're to love one another. What is the Google definition of love? It is an emotion that is primarily based on a chemical reaction inside the brain, but it requires commitment and compassion to carry on 
the rest of the life. Love without these characteristics is nothing important. Loyalty, respect, trust, commitment, compassion, and passion is what makes love important for survival. That's the definition that even the world's philosophy is on love. That love is vitally important to grow, to live in. Now, what's the biblical definition of love? 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7, tells us the biblical definition of love. Love or charity, charity, love suffereth long and is kind. Love envieth not. Love vaunteth not itself. Love, it is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemingly, seeketh not her own, it is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in the iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, and endureth all things. That's the biblical definition of love. To love one another. How deep that is when we look at the definition of love. Hopeth, thinketh all things true. That's hard when someone has constantly done something to us, and yet we're going to hope and think that they've changed tomorrow. And then I think of the love of God towards us, and how His mercy is new each and every day. And there have been times where I've often thought, Lord, why haven't you just taken me home from this world? You know I'm going to sin again tomorrow. You know I'm going to mess up again and again. Because His love for us is that He hopeth, that we continue to walk in our righteousness. That He hopes for us. He loves us. He rejoiceth in the truth that we can be more than conquerors in this world. The more we walk with God, the more we can continue to live in this world and not be a part of it. There's a lot of things that we could talk about. Love is not. Love is not the world's philosophy of what love is today in movies, television, entertainment, just this physical thing. Love is so much more than that. So what does the Bible compare it to? Well, in verses 12, we, we kind of get to that point where it says, not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, and slew his brother. That's not love. <laughs> just so we're all tracking is what he's, he's saying there. John's writing to the church. He's like, hey, listen, that was brotherly love. They were a family, yes, but one killed the other one. Cain killed Abel. If you read that in the book of Genesis, you'll see. Of envy, jealousy. And yet there was some kind of a brotherly bond there. And he's saying that's not the kind of love. Envy is discontentment or uneasiness at the sight of another's excellence or good fortune, accompanied with some degree of hatred and desire to possess equal advantages. Cain, Cain loved the idea of being his brother, and he hated his brother, though, because of envy and jealousy. Now, we have a pet dog, and, and whenever we were in Bible college, we had a pet dog, and we took care of this dog, we fed it, we watered it, and it was easy to take care of. And then we had a garden. We started up a garden. We, we, I met a buddy from West Virginia. He knew all about gardening and outdoors and tractors and stuff like that. 
Um, and so he's like, we're going to start a garden in your backyard. I said, okay, that's fine. I know nothing about it. You take care of it. <laughs> and he's like, well, just all I'm going to need you to do is walk out there and pick the weeds. I'm like, okay, that sounds easy. That was the most difficult, tedious job ever. I could feed our pet. I could water our pet. You know, you love it. You know, like, there they are. I see farmers that have cattle. It's, they drop off a bale of hay once a month, and they're good to go. You know, it's, it's, it's not like taking care of a garden where you constantly have to watch it. You constantly have to protect it from rabbits. We had to set up little snares, and I had to figure out all these different ways. I would eat the bunny rabbits. Amber would not. Um, she didn't want any part of eating a rabbit. Um, and, and so we would set up these snares. We would, I'd have to go through and pick out all these weeds. And we went on vacation for a week and came back, and you couldn't even tell we had a garden anymore. I mean, it was, it was tedious work. And I can only imagine what Cain is going through because here he is. He is working nonstop, day and night, every day, and he's picking the weeds, and he's, he's doing his best, and he gets before God, and he says, hey, here's my best. And God's like, that's not what I wanted. I need a blood sacrifice he presents his, all his fruits and vegetables that he's worked so hard on, and God's like, that's, that's not quite it. And ultimately, jealousy and envy kicks in. And so often we have people in our churches, and we have the family of God and, the, and this body of Christ, who we have people who are working nonstop day and night, and then someone over here who's, who's just, hey, they're going out, they're feeding their sheep, taking care of some, some easy livestock. And God's like, hey, I'm pleased with that. Well, here I am, I'm working day in and day out, and night and day, and all these things, and and they're getting the benefits. And John here is saying, even in a church, even in a family of God, there's jealousy and there's envy. And it ought not to be so. There needs to be love. And in our natural state, there's no way that we can just choose to love one another. John 15, verse 5, same author, same writer. It's all inspired by the Word of God, but God uses, it's interesting that God uses John again in John 15, verse 5. He says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. As long as we're abiding in him and he's abiding in us, we can bring forth fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, meekness, temperance. All these things. But when we don't abide, he goes on to say, for without me, in John 15, verse 5, the last part of that verse is so interesting. And as I was reading it this week, it really hit me in the, in the, right across the face as I was applying it to this message because it says, for without me, ye can do nothing. We can do absolutely nothing without, the, without God being engrafted to him. I hear it all the time. People say, oh, I just fell out of love, or I grew, we grew apart. No, you just grew apart from God. You see, the closer that we are with God, the, the easier it is to love one another. And I, and I know my wife and I, we, we've been married now for 15 years, and I love it. I loved it the first day she said, I love you no matter what. Really, no matter what, I'll, I'll love you till death do we part. And I was like, Wow. That's that's an amazing kind of love. And that's the same love that God teaches us through His Word. That He will love us no matter what, unconditionally. There are no conditions to His love. What What are our conditions, though, for love? Do we put conditions on our love? 
well, I love you unless you ever do this. I've, I've had parents tell me that if their son ever was, or their daughter was ever in this type of sin, they would, nope, they, they're done with them. Is that where we draw lines now? Or would we love them as God loves us? I'm so thankful for that love that God has shown me each and every day that even in my worst sin, He still loved me. Even in my sin, yesterday and today and tomorrow, He's still going to love me. Because it's with an eternal love. But we also see in verses 12 and 15, there's murder and there's hatred is what this type of feelings and envy and jealousy bring out. Verses 12 through 15 speaks about this. This hatred, this bitterness, this anger. And ultimately it comes down to a daily choice, I believe. Choose you this day whom you will serve, is what Joshua says. He's talking to his soldiers. He's talking to men who are in battle. But I, ultimately, if you look at life and we have the right kind of mentality of what this life really is, it's a spiritual battle, a fight. And we have today to choose who we will serve. Are we going to serve the Lord or are we going to live for other things? You see, Matthew 6, 24 talks about this as well. No man can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You see, we're either going to choose to love one another, or we're going to choose our own way. We're going to draw lines in the sand. Or we're going to choose to be what God desires for us to be. Matthew 5, 21 through 22, Ye have heard that it has been said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall not kill or shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka or idiot, shall be in danger of the council, but whosoever Soever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. How, how big is hatred? How big is this, this sin before God's eyes? I mean, I, I'm driving down the road and someone cuts me off, and it is so easy for me to just say, Haha, I'm going to cut you back off. In our churches today, we're like, yeah, you know, like we laugh about it. It's not that big of a deal. We think in our minds, hey, that's, that's, they had it coming. We like to get equal. We like to get, you know, ah, got him back. Revenge. And we almost snicker and laugh about it, yet it is something that is so big in the Word of God. To love, to turn the other cheek. Which brings me to my last point. Verses 16 through 18 talk about it. Love or indifference. Love or indifference. God says, if you love me, keep my commandments. What are some of those commandments? Well, that we love one another. That we love God and that we love others. And what we see in this point, this third point 
is love or indifference. I'm reading a book right now, or I've read it, I finished it uh, this past week. It talks about the Hanoi Hilton. It's a Vietnam concentration camp about POWs, American pilots who were captured in Vietnam and how they were tortured. And how each and every one of these men were treated in such a way where they almost felt not even that they were American, that they were even human, that they were even a soldier, because of the things that they had done. You see, what they did was they tortured them, of course, but they got secret information from them, which made these men feel as though less of a human because they had failed. They were taught what to do in case of a situation, what to do if they were ever captured. They knew what they should and should not do. And the stories are of these men is that each and every one of them broke at some point. Each and every one of them gave up secret information that they should not have. And what they realized was, as they would go back to their cells, they would be taken and they would thrown in their cell and they were told to get on the wall. Each one had their own cell, an 8 by 8 cell, and they would tap on the wall and code. And they would tell the men next door everything that they had revealed in secret, everything that they, that they told the Vietnam soldiers as they were interrogated. And the men on the other side of the wall, you know what their job was? To love them and to encourage them. They said, no matter how much information I gave, no matter how much I failed, I knew that that guy on the other side of the wall was always going to be there to help me and to pick me back up. I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, is that in our churches? So last week I talked to our, our teenagers two weeks ago. I said, find someone in the church and, and be willing to, to talk with them and, and be willing to get discipleship from them and be willing to open up to them. And I had a couple of them come back and say, I don't, I don't really trust anybody. I, I don't know if I can talk to anybody. That's the spirit and the measure of our church right now is that young, the next generation don't feel comfortable because they feel like this older generation has it all together and they haven't messed up as bad as I have. And I told him, I said, hey, we've all been broken. We've all stumbled and fell into temptation. We've all messed up. And when we understand that, and we understand, hey, the person next to you can help lift you back up, that we're not all just sitting here and we've got it all together and we look like we got it all together. No, we are all struggling and we're struggling and we're striving for the mark of the high calling. They said, but, 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 I, but I've been here for so long. And I think, yeah, and these soldiers, I'm thinking in my mind, I'm like, these soldiers knew what to do if they were ever captured, and yet they still failed. And the greatest thing that they said, the only way they survived was because that person, that other cell next door, showed them that love, showed them that compassion, was there to help pick them back up. Some of your... I, I know like teenagers, I remember as a teenager, I thought if I tell my parents what God has for me, they're, they're going to be disappointed. They're going to be upset. And I told my parents and they were like, hey, we're excited for you. But I thought, you know what? There's some parents who they may not act like that. They may not be excited for you when God says, hey, I feel like God's calling me over here. 
But you know what? You can be that person to help say, I just, I just wanted someone to say, hey, good job. Okay, we'll be praying for you. That's awesome. That's wonderful. I'm excited about that. Are there people in our churches today that are willing to do that? To extend that love of Christ? To be what Christ has desired for us to be? To be some of us will only be the, the only picture that someone will see of Christ is within you and me. They're looking at us and they're seeing, is this, is this thing real? And this is what John is saying. This is what the believers were saying. I mean, they're being persecuted at this time. The first century church is, is they're like, is this real? Is, are they, you know, they look right. They, they're acting right. But ultimately, are they loving? Are they loving one another? Is our church a loving church? Have we drawn lines in the sand? Say, if they ever cross this, though, we're done with them. They can just walk away. Are, are people worth fighting for? Are people worth loving still today? Even love or indifference? Just because they're different than us, are they still worth loving? As I was sitting there thinking of this lesson, I thought about what John is really writing about. Here's a, here's a church, here is the first century church and there is no more just Jews only. It's now open to the, G- the Greeks and the Gentiles, the Romans. It's, re- it's open now to everyone. And so now they have this church where everyone is coming together, together from every background, every culture, and they're looking differently, they're dressing differently, they're, they're, there's traditions that they have that are completely opposite than the other traditions of the Jewish culture, and yet they're to come together and to love one another in spite of their differences. You know, whether, whether or not you like it or not, a lot of our borders are open. We have a lot of people coming from different cultures and different backgrounds and different places from all over the world into America. And we can, as a church, either choose to love them and embrace them or choose to put up our walls, so to speak, Treat them differently. But I don't think that's the first century church. I don't think that's the biblical mandate that's here. The biblical mandate that's here is to love one another. You know where it starts, though? It starts in our homes. Dads showing their children that they really love them. Wives showing their husbands, that they really love them. And husbands showing their, li- their wives that they really love them as well. It starts in our home life before it can ever enter into our churches. And before it'll, before it'll ever leave these walls, it needs to be solid inside of this church. Before it can ever reach Land of Lakes, we need to have the love of Christ within every member that is growing, that is a light, that is just beaming with someone saying, whether or not how they look, I can tell they're a Christian. Look at how much love they have for one another. I don't know everything about that church. It's a little different than, than other things, but I know that they love people in that church. Can they say that about our church? Is the spirit of love there or is the spirit of, the, let's, let's look at our differences? Let's talk about our differences and let's try to get everyone exactly on the same page or is the love of Christ shown?
And again, it starts in our home lives. It starts, as we saw, being close to the Lord. Being engrafted to the vine. In Ephesians 5, 25, it talks about the body, the core, love the brother, love the church, love the body of Christ. And it talks about it in referring to husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. The picture of love over and over and over again. 1 Peter 1.22 Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with pure heart fervently. Which brings us to the question, like, who is my brother? I've heard this sermon preached before, and it's like, well, it's talking about the brothers and sisters of Christ. Love those people. Everyone else, you know, you, 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 know, you kind of build up your wall. You, you, know, you love your brothers and sisters in Christ. But it goes back to the old thing as well, who's my neighbor? It goes back to the old adage of the good Samaritan even to say, hey, who is your neighbor? Who should you show love to? Who should you help on the side of the road? You see, I looked up that in Leviticus 19, verse 18. It says, Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. And so I clicked on that word, studied it. You know what that word means? It means brother, companion, fellow, friend, husband, lover, neighbor. Same, almost like the same word that's found in loving our brothers and sisters in Christ. Your neighbor could be your brother. The word that we're, the thing that we're trying to get to this morning is to love one another. We can't judge whether or not they're actual a child of God, but you know what? We can love them. Maybe they're just backslidden. Maybe they've taken a wrong, couple wrong turns, and they just need the love of God. And they just need someone to come alongside them and, and sort of speak, tap on the wall and say, hey, I'm here for you if you ever need to talk. Hey, it broke me too. This world has broken me more times than I can count. And I know what I was supposed to do also, and yet I chose the wrong thing. I gave in to it. Being tempted and tried so many times, I gave in to it, and I messed up as well. And to come alongside someone and say, hey, but I love you enough, and, and someone showed me that same love to help me as I was walking down that road. And John 13, 35 says, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye love one to another. Love is worth, this type of love that we're talking about, it's worth sharing with someone else. It's worth fighting for, and ultimately, we know the apostles and disciples, they, they were even willing to die for it, this type of love. Again, the greatest picture is Christ, God sending His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sin. He who knew no sin became sin for us. Willingly died on the cross because He loves you and me enough to do that. I think, am I willing to sacrifice, put myself out there for others? It's been a very difficult thing for me to put myself out there for people. It doesn't come natural. 
And the experiences in our lives sometimes guide us to want to put up a wall really fast. And yet we must realize that through Him all things are possible. Well, you don't know what they did to me. I don't. But I know that through the power of Christ, and I saw what they did to Christ, and yet He still was able to choose to love them and say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That same power is what God gives us to help us if we but ask. We have not because we ask not. I can't love them. Well, ask God, and He can help you. He can do a more than we ever could ask or think. And as we look at this verse right here of this song, Oh, love immeasurable, grace so unexplainable, He lavishes upon me. Though His Son He did not spare, not just meeting, but so greatly exceeding every need and then still more. Fathers, is that the love that we show our children? Mothers, Is that the love that we show our children? Church, is this the love that we show to others around us? Or have we grown weary in well-doing? May God help us. Let's pray. Lord, I thank You. With heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're here this morning and you just need to take it to the Lord in prayer. You just need to pray that God will soften your heart towards those around you. You just need to take time and pray for those that maybe you've put up a wall. Maybe you've drawn some lines in the sand and and through God's grace you want to erase those walls. You You want to erase those lines in the sand. Start fresh. God's mercies are new today. It's only noon. It's a new day each day. And today we have a choice whether or not we're going to keep those walls or we're going to give them to the Lord. We're going to have a new day today. We're going to treat others the way that God has shown us and treats us each and every day. With the right kind of love. Parents, maybe you need to talk with your children whenever you get home. Maybe there's some people that we need to call later and just talk about. Talk to them and just give them over to the Lord in prayer. Now's the time, church. Just simply, and while the pianist plays, soft hymn. thank you for what you've done here this morning. Lord, we, I pray for us as a church that you would continue to grow us. Help us, Lord, to make the right kind of choices that are pleasing and honoring to you. To realize, Lord, that in this world, this is the worst that we will have it as a Christian. 
Lord, and you will help and enable us each and every day to love the unlovable. If we would but ask, if we would be engrafted to you, Lord, in your word and walk with you each and every day, that you will help us to do abundantly more than we could ever ask or think. Lord, help us to live in the moment. Help us to be present as we choose to love the unlovable. And Lord, we love you and we thank you for choosing to love us. In your name we pray, amen.